Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. voice she has, right? What a beautiful day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to get a smile out of everybody this morning. Thank you very much. I'm grateful to be here. I want to thank everybody for all their prayers. You know, it's funny, when you're going to suffer for Jesus, it doesn't matter. You can't shut this Italian mouth, all right? So we're going to keep preaching no matter what. It's going to take more than that. When I think of all the suffering the Lord did for me, hey, I gotta suffer a little for his name's sake, it's all worth it. Amen. You glorify Jesus. The power of prayer. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 54:17 that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen? Amen. God's got our back. He was in us is greater than he was in the world. Okay, we're going to start this morning in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. a little homework too. How's that? Everybody needs a little homework, all right? Philippians chapter 2. I want you guys to read Philippians chapter 2 this week. We'll expand on it when we get together again, amen? Philippians chapter 2. This morning, Romans chapter 12. We already went through Romans, remember? All right. Okay, let me get there myself. Beautiful day, isn't it? Amen. What a beautiful day. To, what a way to start off a Sunday. Come and worship the Lord and be with God's people. Amen. No better place to be. Nothing replaces this. Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. <laughs> she got it back to verse 1. She knew. She knew I was going to go back or forward. So we'll just go forward. Hey. <laughs> All right, we are using the black Bibles in the pew, so please help yourself to it. Wayne, can you please close those doors? Thank you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. A living sacrifice to God. As a reminder, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as I go into the scriptures. So please prepare your hearts and clear your minds to receive what the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living 
and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. So what he's trying to say in this verse is that, yeah, we know we sing songs and we worship him that way, but he's telling us to worship him by giving our lives to him. That's truly the way to worship him. Why? Because of all he has done for us. Why is it important for us to read the Bible from cover to cover? So we can really see everything that the Lord has done for us. So we can become a living sacrifice to him. So first we have to know what he did for us before we can do anything for him. Amen? Makes sense, right? Okay. So don't forget, always read your Bible. Verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So it's not some hocus pocus. It's not some somebody praying over you. It's none of that. It's changing the way we think. And the only way that is going to happen is when we read the Bible. So all that changes is our perception. See, the word of God gets into our mind, and that's how we get the mind of Christ. And that's how we change the way we think. That's all that changes. The way we think changes. Nothing in the world changes. As a matter of fact, it gets worse. Because then we really start to see the spiritual warfare out there. We start to see what's controlling people. Just remember, when you see something happening, pray for the person. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Okay? Because it's the devil working behind that. There's always a force. A spirit has to enter something as a channel to work through it. And it happens to work through people. So the Bible tells us to pray for the sinner. Hate the sin that contaminates their life. Amen? Okay. We have to be living examples of Christ living in us. Now, it says by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you. How many times do you get that question? I don't know what God's will is for my life. There's no reason why you shouldn't know what God's will is for your life. If you read the Bible, he will show you what his will is for your life. It's to become like Jesus is his will for you. That's what his will for every Christian is. He saves us for one reason. To become Christ-like. To change the way we think so we can think like he does. Can I get an amen for this? Okay. Which is good. Look, his will for us is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. Now listen to what Paul said in chapter verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, like he's given me this morning, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Like it says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself, not other people. Can I get an amen for this? Evaluate yourself before you evaluate other people. Because we're all in the same boat. We're born into sin. All of us are sinners. All of us have something wrong with us. All of us are sick. That's why we're in the hospital for healing. Amen? This way here, we're all in the same boat here. None of us should be judging anybody but ourselves. Because of the privilege, don't think you're better. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves. How do you measure yourself? By the faith God has given us. Measure yourself by the word of God. Now look what it says in verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts. One body. Many parts. <laughs> I can't drive that home enough. Each, everyone who's in this church is valuable to God. Just as valuable as I am up here. Just remember that. That's how valuable each and every one of us are. One body, many parts. The, body, the Bible calls 
the body of Christ, the human body. Look how many parts to a human body. We all need each other for this to function properly. Now what it says, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. When we walk through the door in the spirit, we all get along. We all love one another. We love God, we love ourselves, and we love others. How about a big amen for that? And this church is definitely in that direction, amen? We're learning how to do that. We're accept people as they are, let the Holy Spirit work in their lives and convict them and change them, keep our mouths shut, and build up each other, not tear each other down, and find out what's wrong with the people in the church, amen? amen. We're here together with one goal, to become like Jesus. In verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your gift is to encourage, if you are a teacher, teach well. Right? If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do you see what it's saying? You see how many different things the Bible's telling us? Some people have the gift of encouraging others. You know, you go next to somebody, and all they do is want to encourage. Right, you look great today. Keep up the good work. There's people with that gift. Use that gift, but don't expect everybody to have the same gift. This is the problem in the church. Not everybody has the gift of giving so generously. Not everybody has the gift of encouraging. But somebody else might have the gift of teaching. We don't try to take each other's gifts off us. We what? We build up and encourage each other in them gifts. Amen? You know, when you say, well, I do this, well, they should be doing that too, because I do. No, no, that's the gift God's given you. Just do it well and serve the Lord with it. God will show them what their gift is. Don't try to force your will onto them. Amen? That's how we can have one body functioning properly. See, when uh, we can't have all hands. There's got to be a foot, a hand, a finger, a mouth, the ears. Not everybody can do the same thing. That's why we all have different gifts. And somebody gives you a gift, encourage that person and love them. Don't say, well, I should have that gift. I was here longer. It doesn't work that way. God's kingdom is not like that. It's selfless. We serve each other because we love each other, not to get anything out of it. Because we love God and what he's did for us. Amen. amen. Big amen there, right? You see a lot of churches, oh, we should all be doing this. We should all be going on a bus, passing out tracks. That's not the gift. God doesn't do that. It doesn't work that way. Some people can go out and evangelize. They have the, the gift to speak. They go out and tell. Some people are very reserved. And they show the love of Christ by what? Their nice demeanor and their quiet behavior. Everybody's different. One body, many parts. It's all different. But we all, the one goal is because we love God, we love ourselves, and we love others. First Corinthians 13, amen? amen? All right. I don't want to stop here. Let me just go one more scripture here. Now it says, verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. How about a big amen there? You see somebody that hasn't been to church in a while? 
The last thing they want to hear is, where you been? <laughs> Hello, we already know. They said, it's good to see you. Welcome home. You don't do that. They're already discouraged enough. We don't do that. We show love for people. Can okay? amen for that? And that's why I want, want this church to operate. It's great to see you. Welcome home. Big amen there, right? Okay. I hope I never hear where you've been because then you're going to hear me. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want the other side of the pastor. You want the gentle, loving side. You want the corrective side of me. You do not want to go in the back with me. <laughs> you don't want me to have to beat the sin out of you, do you? I'm trying to do it God's way. I'm trying to love the sin out of you. Amen? Don't mistake kindness for weakness. All right. <laughs> I digress. Take the light. Look at it says in verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I got to say, we have a great crew. We, on Saturdays, we come in. Nobody asks anybody to do anything. They just come in. What can I do? And they just do it with love. Because they love the church and love the body. They do a great job. Amen? <laughs> it's not to put any guilt on anybody. It's just to just show up and God just whatever because we love God and love his church amen. amen that's it that's the only motive never be lazy now look what it says in verse 12 rejoice in our confidence be patient in trouble and keep on praying and I believe that all your prayers yeah. are what got me back here today amen. because the pain I was in I didn't think I was going to be able to be here and it was the prayers because there was nothing they could do Thank you, Jesus. God gets the glory. Amen? God gets the glory in his house. For sure. And it says in verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And always be eager to practice hospitality. Somebody walks in the door, how you doing, brother? Welcome them. Love them. Amen? That's what love is all about. All right. We're going to continue our message on transformation. Okay, what is transformation in the Bible? Let's look into this subject. We all have things in our lives that we'd like to change about ourselves. The vast quantities of books on self-improvement available today target our desire to be different or improve in some way. And as we read verses in the New Testament concerning how believers should live and conduct themselves, we want to live that way. But when we compare our daily life to those passages, we can't help but notice our shortcomings. For example, our lack of love for people, our impatience, or our reaction in certain situations all highlight our need to have a change. But how can we? God also wants us to change, but not the way we might think. In fact, the Bible speaks of something called transformation. In this topic, we'll look at what transformation is according to the Word of God. Can I get an amen for this? Yeah. All right, first we're going to define it through the dictionary. 
First, let's look at how Merriam-Webster defines transformation. A complete or major change in someone or something's appearance or form. People use the word transformation to talk about the remodel of a house or when someone gets a makeover. The house or person undergoes a major change and ends up looking different, hopefully for the better. <laughs> you see, some of them transformations people go through and say, oh boy. <laughs> I think you look better the way God created you. to think that transformation for Christians means we improve ourselves or our behavior so we appear more Christ-like. Makes sense, right? But the biblical meaning of transformation has nothing to do with our outward behavior or self-improvement. Simply trying to conform to the words we read in the Bible is like a monkey imitating the actions of a human being. What you see is mere learned behavior, not a genuine expression of a human. That's because the monkey doesn't have the life of a human. God knows that we can't meet the standard in his word on our own. Then how can we live a life that expresses God? God's way is to give us his divine life. And for us to undergo an organic change by his life operating in us. Let's see what that means and how this happens. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please, verse 16. Is everybody with me so far? Amen. You know it as well as I do. We get on our knees and pray sometimes. Oh, God, I want to be like you. Please help me to be better. Let me get better. Let me be nice. Let me not be angry. That can't happen. Self-help does not work. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Give everybody a moment to get there. I want everybody to get this. So, all right, everybody there? Okay, good. Look at verse 16. But, whenever somebody turns to the Lord, whenever somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from our sin nature. Freedom to become like Christ. The opportunity to become Christ-like. Now look at this in verse 18. So all of us, now all of us, not just all of us, who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, 
makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Big amen there, right? The spirit of the Lord comes inside us and it works on us and it makes us more and more like him as we are changed in his image, as we renew our minds by reading, studying, and applying the word of God. Amen there. Do not think that you're going to change by osmosis or by coming to church. The only change that is ever going to happen in you is when you read the Bible with an open heart and an open mind and let it change and renew your mind. This mind is full of the world system. The Bible tells us to not be conformed to the world system. Unfortunately, we've been operating in it for a lot of years. And it's going to take a lot of time to push that system out and put the word system in. Can I get an amen for this? So that's why it takes time. We have to be very patient. He's going to work on us all the way till we go home to be with him. He's never going to give up on us. We give up on us, right? How come I'm not changing? What's going on with me? I've been going to church. I've been studying about what's going on. Oh, you're changing, but it's not your way. It's going to be the way God does it. His ways are not our ways. But one thing we have to do is renew our mind by reading the word of God. When you come to church and listen to me preach, that is not replacing your personal life with the Lord. This is a supplement to enhance your walk. This does not replace you reading the Word of God. Everyone here, I'm helping you to understand the Word of God, so when you read it, you can have your personal time with the Lord and your relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. This is a supplement. You know when you take supplements to go to the gym, you exercise, you take the right proteins and stuff, and you get better results. Well, when you get the right supplements, you get better results by reading the Bible because I'm helping you to understand it. So when you read it, you can see it and understand it. But it doesn't replace it. Big amen there, right? Yeah. Okay. This verse, okay, now listen up. This verse doesn't say that we're being transformed by improving our behavior. Here being transformed is connected to our beholding the glory of the Lord. Okay? When we behold the Lord in our fellowship with him, something wonderful happens. Let me try to explain this to you. When we, with unveiled face, are beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord, he infuses us with the elements of what he is and what he has done. Okay? Thus, we are being transformed metabolically, so to speak, to have his life shaped by his life power with his life essence. That is, we are being transfigured, okay? Mainly by the renewing of our mind, like we just read in Romans chapter 12 too. How fitting that that was in there with the message. Let the Spirit speak, amen? This is a Spirit-led ministry, okay? Into his image. Being transformed indicates that we are in the process of transformation. Big amen there, right? Now, go back to Romans 12, verse 2. The transformation that God talks about has nothing to do with us. Because if we could do it, we wouldn't need a Savior. We wouldn't need Jesus. Thank God it has nothing to do with us because we can't do it. Every time we try to change, we end up worse than we were before. I'm going to be better today. I'm going to be better today. It only drives sin more into us. The law gives sin power. Every time they tell you not to do something, your mind starts to go, why can't I do it? 
Instead of changing our desires, God doesn't give us our desires, He changes our desires. So we desire to do the things He wants. That's something that only can happen through the Holy Spirit. So it says in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What do Christians do? They copy the behavior and customs of the world. You leave church and you do things the world's way. The Bible tells us not to do that. It tells us to do it by the way of the word. So you go out there and you love people. You don't what? Complain and gripe and persecute and all the things that the world does when it doesn't get its way. But what do we do? The very same things. The Bible tells us not to do it. What do we do? We do it. Think God doesn't know that we're going to do it? Duh, he's the one who made us. He knows us better than we do. He, um, um, King David was always praying, Lord, search my heart. The sin lurking inside it. I can't even see it myself. Reveal myself. And let me tell you something. People will reveal yourself to you. Believe me, when somebody comes up to you and hits you with something, they're telling you something that's true. You just don't like it. Especially when it's unbeliever correcting you. What about you, right? <laughs> just as bad as I am, right? That's not Christian behavior. It's thank you for showing me something I couldn't see. We can't see how blinding our sins are. All we can see is other people's sins. But let me give you a little newsflash. The other people's sins you're seeing are yours. <sighs> little humble pie, huh? How's it taste? Good, huh? Season it with some love. How's that? We're not all that in a bag of chips because we come to church. As a matter of fact, the Bible shows us how bad we are. The world doesn't see how bad they are. We do. Then we go out there and say, oh, I can't believe these people are doing that. Why can't you believe it? You used to do it too. That's how we get. We get this spiritual, we think we're like spiritual entities. Oh, I can't believe they swore. <laughs> Before you found Jesus, every word that came out of your mouth was probably a swear. But now you can't believe that they're doing it because you don't, right? Instead of saying, Wow, I guess I'm growing, because now I see that. And I don't do it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of condemning them, oh, please don't swear in front of me, because I'm like Jesus. <laughs> and that's why people want nothing to do with church. You see? A holier-than-thou attitude, it's got to go. Jesus didn't do that, did he? No. He went to the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners, and showed him love. He loved them. Because he knew what sin does to people. And you should know what sin does to people because you know what it did to you. So you should have compassion and empathy. That's what the image of Christ is all about. Not pharisaical condemnation. That's what a transformation is all about. Becoming Christ-like is to love the unlovable. Including ourselves. Can you honestly say that you're always lovable? Sometimes you'll say it to yourself, oh, I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> Can I get amen for this? This is a real trick. You've noticed that now, haven't you? This is the real deal here. No, we're going no, to understand that we're no better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, we're worse. 
And as soon as you think that you are better, God's going to show you how bad you really are. He says, you who judge others, why don't you judge yourself? All right. Preach it, right? Preach the truth. Because that's what sets you free. What you're getting set free from is you. <laughs> I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's what, that's what Paul was saying. Do you hate me because I tell you the truth? Or do you love me because I'm telling you the truth? Thank you. Uh, see? See? See what you're saying? Exactly. Some people get mad and walk out of the church. Oh, who do you think you're talking to? I'm talking to a bunch of sinners like myself. Why, who do you think I, think I don't know who I'm talking to? Give me a break. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, right? Let the Spirit speak now. Okay, listen. If you want your flesh gratified, oh, everybody's so good and loving. Oh, hi, everybody. Have a good day. Oh, Jesus loves you. Okay, and then you woke up. And then the day started. I thought I was in heaven. No, not yet. You open your eyes, you notice you're not in heaven yet. Walk out that door and get in traffic. You see how much heaven you're at. See how much, see how much love everybody's showing everybody out there. As a matter of fact, I've never seen such a self-absorbed world as I see today. Everybody's so self-absorbed, looking at their cell phone. Yeah, I'm waiting at the light to turn. The light's green and it's already turning yellow, and they haven't went yet. I said, okay. There's 30 cars in the back of them, but they didn't see them. They only see them in their little in their little world. Don't worry, I beep. <laughs> I beep and I will go around you. It doesn't matter. God doesn't tell me to be a fool either. Oh, I'm just going to love them till the light turns red again. No, in the name of Jesus, I'm going around you. need a good laugh, don't we? Because it's the truth. Every time I get in line, I look around, make sure there's no, you know, if somebody's like halfway out in the street, I'll try to pull up more so they don't get stuck in the middle of the street. There's other people who stay two car lengths behind you and the people are stuck in the street and you know, nobody can get by because they're so stuck on themselves. That's what we're up against as Christians. Then we get frustrated, right? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with them? They don't have Jesus. They're self-absorbed. We do have Jesus. We see that. Okay. All right. This, the scripture tells us, don't copy the behaviors and customs, Romans 12, 2, but let God transform you into by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will. So here's what it's telling us. We have to learn to know God's will. So we have to learn how to do the right thing. That's something that has to be learned. We don't have to learn how to do the wrong thing. We already know that. Nobody has to tell us how to do bad. Like I said, you get that little kid, you leave him alone for five minutes, 
He's not going to be on his knees praying to Jesus. No. He's going to be shutting the lights off. He's going to be irritating somebody, doing something crazy, right? He already knows. You don't have to tell him. Same thing with us. We have to learn how to do the right thing and behave in the right way. Christ-like, okay? And which is good. Look, the scripture says that we will behold the Lord now listen. He infuses us with all he is and all that he has done for us, okay? To infuse means to fill, pervade, and soak. So how do we behold the Lord? Beholding the Lord in our spirit, okay? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, again, verse 17. Okay. Chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Okay. In verse 17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay? The Lord is the Spirit. When we are saved, listen now, the Lord, as the Spirit, came to live in our spirit. So we can behold Him in our spirit by fellowshipping with Him in prayer and in the Word. As we behold the Lord, He soaks us with all that He is. Okay? This soaking results in us being transformed metabolically. Okay? This is God's way of changing us by an inward spiritual metabolic process of His life operating in us and through us. It has nothing to do with your life. As a matter of fact, John has to die. When John dies, then Christ can let it live through me. That's how it works. Say amen for this. He doesn't improve me. He kills me. He kills off my old sin nature, and he gives me his very nature with his new nature, which is now I have to learn the word of God, which is Christ. That's how I get the mind of Christ. By renewing my mind with his word, kills me off, and it rises him up. Amen? You get what I'm trying to say? You can't improve. If you could improve, you would not need Jesus. Jesus didn't have to die if you could improve. You couldn't improve, so he died so we could what? Be born again and have a new life, which is the very life of Jesus operating in us and through us. Get it? Has nothing to do with us. That's the problem. We try to do it in the flesh. You can't change in the flesh. You get frustrated. And you give up. Because you can't do it. Only the Holy Spirit working through us can do it. See, when you get born again, when you're born again, anything that goes, that's good and glorious goes to God. You don't say, oh, John did good today. No, God did good today because he worked through me. You see, God gets the glory from here on in. Nothing in us anymore. That's the problem. We have trouble dying. It's called pride. We think there's still something good in us. Bible tells us nothing good lives in me in my sin nature. I try to do the right thing, but I can't. I want to do the right thing, but I don't. Romans 7, the struggle. As a matter of fact, let's go there. Go to Romans 7. 
Everybody with me so far here? Amen. We're going to get something today. You're going to leave with a lot. You're going to be full. All right. The question I'm going to ask everybody, how many in this room struggle with sin still? Okay. Good. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. So did Paul. Okay? Paul walked with the Lord, I say, a good 24, 25, maybe 28 years when he wrote Romans. Okay? Listen. Look at what he says in verse 14. Struggling with sin. This is the Apostle Paul now. The guy who penned in 13 of the epistles of the Bible is going to speak now and tell you his struggle with sin. So, verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law. For the law of the word of God is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. The first thing we have to understand, the problem is not the world. The problem is me. See it? Uh, what he says. The trouble is not with the, with the spirit is good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human. Could any of us just admit that? The trouble is with me. If you can admit that, then God can do something for you. If you can't admit it, then he can't. A slave to sin. Can anybody in this room tell me that they're not enslaved by sin? You know sin is wrong, but we do it anyway. That means we're enslaved by it. We're possessed. We're possessed with sin. Right? Makes sense, right? Look, I'm too human. I don't really understand myself. Now listen to what Paul's saying. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Can anybody relate to that? Instead, I do what I hate. Yes. Right? We do the same things over and over again, and we hate it. Insanity. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, listen to what he's saying now. This shows that I agree that the law is good, or that the word of God is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So sin is like a living organism that, goes, that lives in us. It possesses us to do things that we shouldn't do. You get what I'm trying to say here? Sin lives in us. We are born with sin living in us because of the fall of Adam. Can I get an amen for this? And now look what it says in verse 18. Now he's saying something here that's very important. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Now, can you actually tell yourself, are you humble enough to say, that there's nothing good that lives in me. If you can say that, then God can help you. But if you still think that I'm a good person, then you don't need Jesus and there's nothing he can do for you. I think you're a good person. In Christ I am, thank you. <laughs> Believe me, you don't want the old John up at this pulpit. Trust me. <laughs> you want the new resurrected John, trust me. And my wife will tell you that one. <laughs> now he says I know nothing good lives in me that is he said something here that is in my sinful nature I want to do what is right this is the struggle we have now we're born again we want to do the right thing can I get an amen for this we want to do it look what he says I want to do what is right but I can't 
Listen to what he says. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can everybody relate to this? But, listen to what he says. But if I do what I don't want to do, then I'm really not the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. See, he separated himself. He had to, like, a sin is an organism, like, like, a, like a virus that was living in him. That's what it says in Colossians. It says, get rid of all the sinful things lurking within you. It's like a virus that falls through us. Sometimes something will come into our head and we can't see it. It's just something nasty and sinful in there. And this can't get rid of it. Now listen to what it says in verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life. And I want you to discover this too today. Okay? That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's word or God's law with all my heart. If you love God's word with all your heart, you can understand what he's saying here. But there is another power. Look at verse 23. Please, listen. Listen to that. You're going to get something here. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. Can I get an amen for this? We have this thing going on with us. How many times does something come into our mind when it's time to pray? Or it's time to go to church. Or I'm tired. Or I got something to do. And it just comes in and takes over and justifies. And you just go and say, instead of living for God, I got to get this stuff done. When he says, seek the kingdom first, and everything else will be added unto you. People don't give him that. They justify it, right? Instead of saying, I'm going to put God to the test. I am going to put him first. I'm going to see what the result's going to be. So don't think you're going to get the result if you don't put him first, because you won't. Now listen, let me say, there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. We get saved, but our bodies still have the sin nature. This sin nature cannot get into the kingdom. That's why we have to get a new resurrected body when we go home to be with him. Thank God we're going to get a new one. Just imagine when we go, when we get our new resurrected bodies and no more fight against sin. Whatever the Lord wants us to do, we just do it. And we just love people. No more hate. No more selfishness. No more greed. No more justifying sinful behavior. Big amen there, right? Oh, you know, we'll get sinful. Oh, God's grace. He loves me. Justify it. God's grace covers it. Send it up. And say, you fool. Don't you realize I take away it, but I don't take away the consequences? You're still going to suffer down here if you keep sinning, you moron. Wake up. Stop sinning, because sinning hurts you and others, not me. God's trying to tell us something here. Can I get any men for this? We think because we're saved, you can go on sinning and get away with it. No, it comes down harder on us, because he said you know better now. It comes down harder on Christians. What's wrong? People, Christians get it twisted. They justify it because they get, because God's grace covers it. No, God's grace covers it. Yeah, he loves you, but he loves you enough to correct you too. And come down harder than you did before. When you were ignorant, it was bliss. Ignorance is not bliss anymore for a believer. You're accountable to God now. Now, verse 23. We're going to close here. But there's another power within me that is war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, how many times 
you know you're doing something, okay? You know it might be on the fence. You know, nobody's around. You're just, just sitting there. You're on the fence with it. Should I? Shouldn't I? The Spirit's speaking to you. Right then and there, you already know you shouldn't be doing it because there already there's a conviction, should I or shouldn't I? So right, right then and there, the Spirit's saying, no, don't do it. And then we start thinking. You give it enough time to romance it, keep it in your mind, you end up doing it. Instead of listening to the Spirit and saying no. The conviction's already there. There's no more thought involved. If there's anything that we're thinking that could be wrong or right, the Bible says it's wrong. Don't do it. Don't wait and think about it, because if you think about it, your flesh is going to take over. But I work hard, you know. Oh, but I had a hard day. You know, I deserve this. The devil comes in. You deserve it. Don't worry about it. You haven't done it for a long time. Enjoy a little bit. Get a little relief. Can anybody understand what I'm talking about here? Am I the only one that goes through this stuff? Thank you. Because I'm being real with you. And the devil dances in our mind. Dancing on the fence. When the Holy Spirit doesn't keep talking, he says it once. No. But why no? I deserve it. I work hard. No, the Bible says you deserve judgment. You're listening to the wrong spirit. Get it? That spirit doesn't leave. The spirit of truth is always in us. You have to understand the spirit of truth. But don't drown it out with the spirit of lies. When that, when that crossroad comes, you better jump on the spirit and say no and get out, change the channel, or else you're going to do it. None of us are strong enough to withstand sin. That's why we need a savior, amen? So the next time you're dancing on the fence, well, should I go to church? Shouldn't I? You know, I'm tired. I worked all week. Should it even be a choice? Is God ever going to say, no, I shouldn't be in church today? Come on, now, be real. He's not going to say, no, you deserve to stay home. You don't have to be with your brothers and sisters today. Don't worry. I'll just let the devil have a field day with you this morning. <laughs> then you sit at the end of the day and you should have said, I should have went to church. And as other people put their head on the pillow, thank you, Jesus, for me listening to you instead of me. Amen. Get it? The delayed gratification comes later. Amen. All right, let's finish up here. Look what it says. But there's another power within me that's at war. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Look at verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Doesn't sin make you miserable it does. It just makes you miserable as a Christian because you know it's wrong. See, the unbelieving world is dulled by it. They don't, they don't believe. They don't care. But we, it makes us miserable. What a, look, no, listen. Who wants the answer? Here it is. I'm going to give you the answer right now. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Here's the answer. Now listen, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. Don't think anything but what I'm going to tell you what the answer is. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God the answer is the Word of God. Okay, the Word of God is Jesus Christ our Lord. Please, don't mistake, don't get it twisted. If you're not reading the Word of God, you don't have a chance to overcome your sin nature. Can I get an amen for this? Now look what it says. You so you see... This is Paul. In my mind, I really want to obey God's word. 
But because of my sin nature, I'm a slave to sin. How about a big amen for that, all right? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share. The ushers are going to come up. Thank you. Praise the Lord. The ushers are going to come up and take the collection. We're going to, we're going to stand and worship the Lord and close.
baby, wanna come up and close the trail? If we can bow our heads. <coughs> Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, thank you for the honor and the privilege it was this morning to gather together with our fellow believers to hear a portion of your word, Lord. Lord, as we continue this walk with you, I pray that we may be convinced of your love for us, of the salvation that you gave us, Lord, the understanding notion of the new life you've given us, Lord. Lord, the transformation process is slow and painful, Lord. As the Apostle Paul written 20 years into his walk with you, Lord, that he still struggled with sin. So do all of us, Lord, as we stand before you, Lord. So I pray, keep us humble, keep us teachable, Lord. Help us to open up the Word of God and to understand every single part of it, Lord. Help us with the wisdom. Help us to grow spiritually in that spiritual maturity, Lord, to understand what you're trying to teach us. And Lord, help us to grow. Help us to become better. Help us to become like your Son, Jesus, in all facets of life. And I say these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, David. Well, everybody, it's been a great service. I want everybody to enjoy the day. Take a portion of this with you. Have a great day. God bless. Until we meet again. Peace. Peace.